0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact
0: the volume NFL fans, it's time to unwrap nonstop football action. This holiday season, throw down on the big matchups with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now with code John, J-O-H-N. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL action to score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for Problem gambling? Call 888 789 7 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com/football for eligibility and deposit restriction terms and and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. Okay, we have some aftermath of the Seattle Eagle game. Something I saw Jerry Jones said today that I found pretty interesting. And college bowl opt-outs. Wanted to dive into some of the guys saying I'm not playing in the game, I'm getting ready for the NFL, and how that that conversation has changed dramatically over the years. And then of course the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff, firing those DMs. We've had a podcast Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We are banging out content with Christmas right around the corner. Probably less podcasts next week. So get your fill now. A lot of content out there. Find us on YouTube as well if you like the video stuff. Everything we do here is on the Middlecoff 3 and Out YouTube page, so go subscribe to that as well. But first, can I tell you about my friends at game time? It's the holiday season. Christmas is right around the corner. I'm sure, like you, I know myself, don't have gifts for people I need to get gifts for. Well, do you know the easiest way to get someone a gift? Is to get a discount on that gift. So, download the GameTime app, the official ticketing app of this podcast, and when you buy your first pair of tickets to a sporting event, to a concert, to a comedy show, save yourself some money. So, when you download the GameTime app and you buy a pair of NFL tickets, you buy a pair of concert tickets, you buy a pair of tickets to any event, it's very easy to search on the app what event you want to go to, where you want to sit, the different price points, even the sight lines of the event. When you type in the promo code John, J O H N J O H N, you get $20 off. Hard to beat that. Download the Game Time app, promo code John, save yourself $20. Get someone a present. Do right by someone else. Make their day on Christmas Eve or Christmas. Save yourself a little money. I don't even need a thank you. Just download the Game Time app, promo code John. One thing I, I talk about a lot because I've seen it firsthand. Uh, when I worked in football in college and the pros, and then since I've been covering football when I did re- the radio show, I was going to a lot of practices, and now being just pretty inundated and in following the league closely. And because of this podcast and through Collins' uh, reach, I've met a lot of people that I didn't know in college football and in the NFL. And one thing that has hammered home in me is the importance of football character the love of football. And like we talk a lot about character and acting the right way to me, football character. We've talked about it earlier this week is how much the game means to you. And that's also taking the good with the bad, right? We saw it with the Eagles. They demoted Sean Desai for Matt Patricia. Well, he can't just quit. He can't just leave. He can't just pout. You bench players all the time. You make lineup changes in football you know, continuously throughout the season. So, coaches are harping on next man up, be ready. If you get benched, stay focused, be a pro. Well, coaches have to act that way too. And let's face it, we're all human beings. It's much easier to be happy in any of our lives when things are going well. When professionally in your job, you're having success, you're making money. In your relationships, your kids are succeeding. Your your relationship with your girlfriend, your wife is going well. It's easy to have a good attitude and a smile on your face. It's not easy to not be a full-on grouch and be miserable when shit hits the fan. Because the easiest thing when we all hit adversity, which whether you play in the NFL or whether you're a normal human in society that just has a 9-to-5 job, things are not always going to go well and how you handle that kind of defines to me who you are. And I think when you look at football players, the best guys handle the struggles the best, coaches included, cuz you're going to lose games. You're going to get you're going to have bad plays, you're going to have bad games. Right? How do you bounce back from that? Do you keep your head up? Are you someone in the locker room people continue to want to be around or are you just kind of a front runner? And last night, Jamal Adams was nowhere to be seen. And I didn't think much of it. He's injured, whatever, missed practice all week. Then it was kind of rumors circulated on Tuesday that he was not going to play healthy or injured. Now, he's been injured a lot and he was missing practice. So it's safe to assume that he's dealing with knee issues again. He's an often injured player. But there is no disputing that he can be a little bit of a pain. And I have no problem in sports being in business with people that can be a little bit part of a pain. Now, if you're going to be a pain, you better be a part of winning. I've seen it with Draymond Green. You know, know, created some controversy over the years. But for a large portion of his career, championship-level player, the Warriors needed him, and it was well worth it. Now you get to the time the team's not as good, everyone starts questioning it, right? Some of the greatest teams in the history of sports have had crazy men on their team. But if you win, whatever. As long as your production outweighs your problems, no big deal. And several weeks ago, when Jamal Adams, who, let's face it, has been a disaster for Seattle, the moment they traded for him, it was not going well, and then they doubled down and they gave him an enormous contract. Well, within the last month, a reporter that covers Seattle had, like, quote, tweeted a video of him getting smoked for a touchdown. Jamal didn't like it, went after the guy's girlfriend or wife, and even Pete Carroll had to come out the next week, like, we're not into that. But that. That is not cool. And basically, you know, acknowledging Jamal, like, that's, that's bullshit. Even though I did kind of appreciate Jamal's comment of when they go low, I go lower. But I can't have one of my highest paid players kind of acting like that, representing the team, when he's not playing well. Like, that's kind of embarrassing. And I, I think, listen, Jamal Adams, if I'm Seattle, I, I don't really want any part of him anymore moving forward. He was nowhere to be found. He didn't even come to the game yesterday. Whether he was injured, whether he was, you know, an inactive, regardless, it has been a disaster. And this team last night, to me, the coolest part about Monday night, and and I got a little emotional, uh, partly because you know, sappy sports moments do that to me. That Drew Locke moment and all the content to come out after his post game interview, what he said in his press conference, the videos of him and Gino looking at each other. Like, football character is a really, really big deal. And to me, a major reason why Seattle won that game is because their backup quarterback, who was beat out a year ago, stayed in tune with the program. And Geno deserves a lot of credit. Drew Locke gave him that. But he's a guy that you want around. He matured in front of their eyes. He's a person that, like, is growing in a positive manner. And you look around the rest of their team, yeah, D.K., has some issues with personal fouls. But you know what? I know on any given moment, DK Metcalf, and this is part of the deal, could be one of the best players on the field, if not the most dominant player on the field, on any given snap, on any given series, in any given game. Jamal Adams doesn't have that in the bag. The only thing he can really do is make some tackles for loss. And even in the Niner game, he was struggling in the run game because you got to play him as a linebacker. And if any of my offensive linemen get their hands on him, the weight discrepancy, he's got no shot. So to me, you remove Jamal Adams, who, let's face it, had been pretty controversial. One, as a player, just not that good. And two, clearly kind of a head case. And uh, to me, if I'm in the Seattle business, I'm just out. Just just stay away, man. We made a huge mistake financially. We're worse with you on the field. Let's just go our separate ways. And listen, Pete has always been really good at balancing some of the crazies with some of his normals. But for the most part, most of his crazies have always been big-time football players. And to me, Jamal Adams isn't. And what you saw last night was a character win. You know, guys, Julian Love coming in, playing well. Drew Locke coming in, playing well with some of their high-end players. Leonard Williams kicking ass and taking names. To me, the good teams in the NFL, especially in recent memory, a lot of the Patriot Dynasty, this 49er team, the Chiefs team, have guys who are just all in. Who, who Have guys who can handle the shitty times. Because if I, if you can't handle the shitty times... What are we going to do in a tie game in the fourth quarter of a playoff game? I I can't trust you. And to me, Seattle really learned last night, you don't need this guy. Just tell him, stay away, we'll pay you. It's over. Like to me, it unofficially ended last night for Jamal Adams' career. Now, Pete is is really weird, right? He's an old coach, but he's kind of this progressive Al Davis, pretty (laughs) open-minded. Like I, I don't expect that to happen, but to me, that's the move and Seattle has a very, very good chance now if they just win two of their next three games to make the playoffs, and I think football character was on full display from their squad, and that's why it made the Drew Locke moment so cool because this was a guy who didn't even play well the majority of the game but who had that in the bag in the final drive. He has the starting quarterback rooting him on, and also... One of the cool things about sports, and I don't go to as many games as I once did. I don't go to really any NFL games because of this job. My girlfriend really wanted to go to the Cardinal Niner game. But it's just, it's hard for me. And this is like a first world complaint. But like, you know, as a podcaster, I got to watch all the games. I go on with Colin after the afternoon game. I like to do something after the night game. Uh, I got another podcast, usually based on the 49er game. So it's just, I. it's easier for me in my business You go to an NFL game, and I've been to a ton of them, it's kind of, as anyone listening to this, it's kind of your whole day, right? So I I wasn't able to go. But whenever you go to a game, you never truly know what you're going to get, right? You could get a game that's just a clunker, that's just a bad game, right? You could get a blowout in the team you're rooting for, which is fun, or you could just get a memorable moment. And I've been to a few of those. And I'll never forget being on the sideline for when Navarro Bowman picked off Matt Ryan on Monday Night Football, and Mike Tirico had the famous call—the pick of the stick. Navarro jumped in the end zone. It was the last home game ever, a candlestick. And looking up, and the place was just going bananas. Chris Berman was there. Boys, the men played after the game because it was Eddie DeBartolo's favorite group, and it was just—it was just one of the coolest sporting moments. In football, I've ever been to. I've been to some really cool ones with Steph Curry, some crazy Giants games in their World Series runs. But that was just a regular season Monday night game that is just entrenched in you. And anyone last night who's a Seattle fan that was like, you know, is they going to get blown out? The game got flexed. Should we we go? You know, it might just be fun. Let's go. That's a game you'll never, ever forget. People in Seattle are going to be talking about that game until you die. That were, I was there at the game when Drew Locke led the two-minute drive and the walk-off touchdown, and Julian Love picked off Jalen Hurts. Like you just, There are certain games in every franchise, and they're usually a lot of times in a prime-time spot, especially on Monday night football. It's just synonymous. Do you remember the Monday night football game when? And that's just anyone that got to go to that game, anyone listening to this that has been, and I'm not even talking playoff game. I'm not even talking a Super Bowl. I'm just talking a memorable game for the team you root for When you attend. And listen, we all remember when we're watching it on TV, but there's nothing quite like going. And that that game not only popped on television, but was just, that, that, that was fun. Just as a football fan who just loves cool stuff to happen, that was awesome. And listen, like I said, if I'm Seattle, Jamal Adams, no Moss. I think Jerry Jones, a lot of people, because he's a kind of a polarizing individual you know, talk about Jerry like in the sense that he's a little much and almost like he's not that good of an owner. He just cares about himself, egotistical. Like I'd say this little stretch of Mike McCarthy has turned out to prove, and listen, he's the general manager to me in title only because when they traded for Trey Lance and he started rattling off some of his games, he clearly had no clue what he talked about, what he was talking about. He clearly didn't watch him on film. I I do not think... He is involved, beside during the draft process, interviewing some of the guys, or maybe during the free agent process, having been at games watching it. I do not think he's watching tape. I, I know that's for a fact, you know, and he just likes having the GM title, which is his prerogative. He's the owner. But one thing he's clearly done pretty good job of is they build a really good team. Like they have a lot of talent and Jason Garrett to me was average as the day as long. Mike McCarthy's proving to be... Listen, he's not going to be Belichick or Andy Reid, but he's pretty damn good. And Jerry was asked on his morning radio show, which he does weekly, which no other owner does, you know, about the loss. And he said, it sucked. But honestly, I told the staff this morning that I was proud that that game meant something was because of you guys, the position you've put us in. You're going to the playoffs for three straight years. He's like, the best part of this season so far has been the coaching staff. And Jerry gets credit for that. Because a lot of people, when he hired Mike McCarthy, remember Mike at the press conference lied. He hadn't even watched all the games. Here's where Mike gets a lot of credit. Is he hired a guy, and this is my thing with Sirianni. Like, what's his next pitch? We've seen him try to be the offensive coordinator. That was a disaster. He knows nothing about defense. So, like, that's... And not, honestly, they played decent last night with Matt Patricia. But he can't influence that. So, beside his rah-rah speeches and throwing a challenge flag that his guy upstairs is telling him, to, what's he doing? We kind of said that about Mike McCarthy the last couple of years. Well, it's like, Dan Quinn has the defense. Kellen has the offense. What are you doing? And Mike's like, wait, you want to see? Kellen, get the fuck out of here. I'll call the offense. And what happened this year? Their offense has been awesome. And they're now in position because the Eagles have three conference losses. They have three conference losses. Now we'll have to see how the season ends, the different tiebreakers. But they got a chance to win the division because of that loss last night to the Eagles. So now you got Mike McCarthy, who takes over play calling, which, let's face it, I would say was one of the most controversial in-house coaching moves of the entire offseason. And it's gone well. I, I often ask this when it comes to a coach. What are you doing? right? And most of the coaches now are play callers. right? Like, Sean Payton, what are you doing to fix it? Well, I'm calling the plays. I'm figuring out a way to score points. All the good coaches, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, they all call plays. Now, we have some CEO head coaches, and it, you know, John Harbaugh has a lot of success. But, you know, I think if you're gonna make the argument like why Lamar Jackson could win the MVP, because it's pretty fucking important. Before Lamar Jackson got there, John Harbaugh was doing a lot of swinging swords before games and they were losing with Joe Flacco. So I like my coach to call a side of the ball. Like, I'm paying you 10, 15, 20 million dollars. I need you to influence. I don't want to be beholden to a coordinator who, if we have success, immediately gets a job. Uh, Now, I'm not saying that doesn't work. Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh had a ton of success. But when I watch Mike McCarthy, like, I give you more credit when you're calling one of the sides of the ball, and currently is. And that side of the ball looks good. And I think Jerry knows it. Jerry knows he's got a good thing going. So, a lot of the talk was Mike kind of put himself, I wouldn't even say on the hot seat, but like under, you know, the microscope when he made that move. Moves worked. And I think the move has brought him more equity with Jerry. Now, a lot of season left. Big game against Miami, then a big game against Detroit. We'll see how the playoffs shake out. Again, if you get to the conference championship, if Mike McCarthy does and loses to the 49ers, that is an overwhelming success, given that this franchise has not been to that game since the 1995 regular season, 1996 playoffs. Think about that. That's That's a pretty long time. So the, the, their standard is not Super Bowl or bust. Their standard is even getting to the Super Bowl. Just get to the final game in the conference and you're getting a contract extension. Because I'll promise you this, if they are in that game, even if they were to get beat 50 to nothing by the 49ers, he's getting a contract extension. And honestly, he deserves it. And Jerry should get a lot of credit for not just you know hiring Mike, but giving Mike the opportunity to fire his guy. Because that's what he did with Kellen Moore. He fired him. He said, you're not coming back. And taking over, and proving that not only can he do it, I, I can I can make it better, and that's all I want out of my coach, right? Like in college, I can have a CEO. I Kirby's not calling the defense. Nick's not calling the defense. Jim Harbaugh doesn't call the offense. It, it's it's such a different sport, right? Recruiting such a big deal, leadership, all that. In the pros, this is an intellectual game. We talked about it on Monday after the Monday Night game because uh, uh, something. Marcus Spears said on ESPN, like, defense is all about effort in the NFL. No, it's kind of a lot about coaching. Like, the price of admission is playing hard. No good player, you know, in the NFL doesn't play hard. If you don't play hard, you ain't going to be on a fucking NFL roster long in the NFL. That's a fact. Unless you're an all-time freak clowny, and then you're just going to bounce around. And I'm not even saying clowny doesn't necessarily play hard. He's having a good season. You know what I mean. He's considered an underachiever. Most good defensive players in the National Football League, I would say, would be considered to play hard, to play with high effort. So then it's about talent and scheme. That's what the NFL is. It's a scheme game because most players, one, are playing hard, try, and on the good teams are talented. Then it comes about coaching. And right now, the Cowboys, their coaching is, is pretty high level. I know they just got their ass kicked, but same thing with Sean McDermott. Like, well, what's Sean McDermott doing? Well, he's calling the defense. And I just watched him play the Cowboys, shut him out, kicked his ass. Didn't technically shut him out, but you know what I mean. Dominated them, strangled them. Now, does he keep doing that? Because if he keeps doing that, does he do that again to the Chargers? Does he do that again to the Patriots? Does he finish the season against Miami and do it again and win the division? Because if he does, like, that to me earns more equity. Wait, you're not only the head coach, you're not only giving the speeches at the beginning of the week, giving the pregame speech, motivating the guys, leading your coaching staff, but you also call a side of the ball? That value to me, what do they often tell you when you get a job? The more you can do, the more you can do, the more you can do. It's true, right? If, wait, wait, you're good at sales, marketing, and you know how to, you know, balance the books? Like, you bring a little more to the table than just a guy that's, you know, good at marketing. And I think the the faster that you can get as a head coach to become a play caller as well as a good leader it's very very difficult to replace you even in a league that and I agree with Colin tends more to you know lean to the offensive coaches well if you're a good defensive head coach and you're calling the plays like they're not going to get rid of you they're, they're just not so I think Mike McCarthy has had a hell of a year another story it's kind of an ongoing it's a fluid situation because there's so many different poll games is I saw today that Jared Verse who has a chance to be, if not the top pass rusher in the draft, you know, a top two or three pass rusher off the board. He's probably a top 15, 18 pick in the NFL from Florida State. And Jaden Daniels, the, Hall, the not Hall of Fame player, he'll probably go down in the LSU Hall of Fame, but the Heisman winner for LSU opted out. May's already opted out. Caleb's opted out. And do you know what I'm glad? Because I remember back when Christian McCaffrey did it, it was a really polarizing story about opting out you know, like the history and the tradition of these bowl games. Like, where well, are you playing for the National Championship? Because if you're not, who gives a shit? This is a business. And one thing I learned a long time ago, I'll never forget, when I worked at Fresno State, Pat Hill said this. The only person that cares about you is you. Now, other people oft, you know care about you, but professionally, if you are not caring about yourself more than everyone else, you probably got a problem. And that's, listen, if you're thinking about it right now, do I ask for a raise? Do I ask for more responsibility? It's on you it's not a marriage where you have to kind of like figure out what she's thinking before you do it. And like, hopefully you're like reading her mind. And then it's like, well, I hope I'm right on this one. You, it, professionally, what, when you want something, you got to ask for it. It's not about deserving. It's not about wanting. It's about communicating. I want this. You might get a no, but until you ask, until you put yourself first, the people you're working for, the people you're working with will not put you first. Promise you that. And forever. It was like, you just play in the ball games. Well, it's like, wait, I'm going to be the seventh pick in the draft. That draft pick pays me a $22 million signing bonus. If someone just accidentally falls on my leg and shatters it, and I end up going in the third round instead of the first round, that is costing me an astronomical amount of money. This is This isn't business. This is big business. So I have no problem with anyone who is a lock to be a top 20-plus pick Saying I'm not playing in the bowl game. Now, where I would have an issue, if you're like a fourth round pick, fifth round pick, if you're gonna declare your senior or whatever, and you opt out, you always have the opportunity to earn more credit because the majority of your evaluation is gonna come on tape. And when you play well in a bowl game, there are just more eyeballs there, and you can always earn yourself, maybe go from a fourth round pick to get yourself in the third round because that tape against that opponent against that sophomore that's going to be a first rounder the following year, kind of earns you respect in the eyes of evaluators. So I don't view all opt-outs the same, but any Marvin Harrison, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, Verse, any high-level prospect, not only do I have no issue with it, the NFL has no issue with it. It, it. They're not only numb to it, they think it's the right decision. You think they want you to get injured like Jalen Smith did once upon a time? The guy was going to go in the top 10, top 15, hell, maybe top five. Has a devastating knee injury and plummets in the draft to the second round and cost himself millions of dollars. Like, And listen, I've talked to him before, and I know he says he doesn't regret it, and I understand having that mindset because when something bad happens to you, you've got to have a positive mindset. But when you have examples like that for these players, you have to make the best business decision because that's what you're going into. This is not, we're not playing, this isn't peewee football, this isn't high school football, we're not teaching life lessons. This is going to be your profession. And a lot of money's on the line. And health, to me, during the draft process, is a, we put a premium on it. At the combine, you go through all the medical checks, and having an injury at that time, which could potentially put next season in jeopardy, even an off-season in jeopardy, can be devastating to your draft stock. Because all draft stock is, it's like the specs on a home. How many square feet? How big's the backyard? What neighborhoods is it in? Any issues? Any stuff need to be redone? What does the kitchen look like? How big's the master bedroom? That's no different than like, how healthy are you? What was your production? How fast did you run? Uh, how good your character? All that stuff equals your draft position. Well, for a lot of the top guys, all those boxes are already checked. If they were a house, people would be lined up outside the house to pay over asking. And it's a marketplace. And these guys, luckily, for the first time, kind of realize, like, I don't need to do this. And they're not quitting on their teammates. That They're not doing that at all. They're just making a decision. I can't. The risk is not worth the reward. Because we're playing in a bowl game where they just give us a trophy that ultimately means nothing. And we're the seventh team in the country, or we're the 15th team in the country, It's cool, it's fun, it's football, but I have potentially another 10-year career ahead of me. I'm playing with a lot of guys that are probably my close friends, people that I will talk to till the day I die, right? If you're a college football player and you've been on one team for three or four years, there's a decent chance that 10-plus teammates will be kind of your close inner circle in life for the rest of your life, even more than a lot of guys that you play pro football with. But as you age even if they're like hey I wish you would play most of those guys will not be going pro like most guys that you play college football with won't play on Sundays so you have to put your priorities ahead of them and I'm just glad that we're at the point now where people don't even think twice over you know those decisions because looking back it was such a stupid argument now if you have the chance to play for a national championship to me if you're playing for one of the final 4 teams that's a different story and listen, there's a reason none of those guys ever opt out because they have the chance to kind of be in football of ground to win a national championship. But any of the other bowl games, I got news for, I'll watch them. Shit, I'll probably bet on some of them are just kind of irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. Let's end on this. My, uh, my friends at Uber Eats, it's time for this week's player I thought might give almost, almost anything to redo his game. Brought to you by Uber Eats. I think there's only one guy, and I think that's James Bradbury. Uh, On that final drive, he gave up, and listen, I understand they're in cover two on the ball that DK Metcalf caught, but you got to cheat on that one. You can't let DK Metcalf just fly by you. I I don't care what the rules are. You have to just take a couple steps back. And then on the touchdown pass, if you watch it, before they both break out of the screen, he's kind of squatting on a shorter route whether it's a comeback, an out, an in, he does not want to give up a 10-yard completion. They don't have any timeouts. There's only 30 seconds left. You cannot let him just run right by you. And he was kind of flat-footed. And listen, DK, maybe he just gets you on that spot. On the touchdown pass, under no circumstances can you give up a touchdown. You can give up a 15-yard play. So what, there's 25 seconds and they're at the ten yard, 15-yard line. There's no guarantee they're going to score a touchdown. You're not playing Peyton Manning. here. You're playing Drew Locke. You can't give up just an open deep ball. That Ultimately, the quarterback and the guy still got to catch it, but you got smoked because you're just sitting there flat-footed. I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what the defense is calling. There comes a point in time where you got to be a football player. You see it all the time in zone defense with linebackers, and honestly, Seattle does this a lot. I love Bobby Wagner, but he just kind of sits there in grass in the middle of the field. It's like, bro, there are guys to the left and the right of you. I don't care what the rules are. There comes a point where you got to be a football player. And I'm not pretending to be Bill Belichick here. But I learned when I was in the NFL, killing grass in zone coverage or just killing grass because that's what the rules say, that's the opposite of being an instinctive player. Time, situation, third and eight, you're just going to stand there like no one's around you. The guy's seven yards to your right. Why don't you cheat over there? Same thing with Bradbury. Sitting flat-footed, Jackson Smith, who just is going to be a stud, already really good player, This goes right by you. Game-winning touchdown. Now you lose. Now your season's in shambles because you're just like, listen, you can't run with them stride for stride, so cheat. Like Part of life is to realize what's coming or what could come and is the worst-case scenario and kind of play against that. And if something else happens that's not as bad, you deal with it. But you never want the worst-case scenario to play out, and that's what happened to James Bradbury. So that was this week's Almost, Almost Anything Player of the Week. You can order almost, almost anything with Uber Eats, the official on-demand partner of the NFL. Order now. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free linkedin isn't just another job board linkedin has a vast network of more than a billion professionals which make it the best place to hire i know i'm on it all the time looking for people checking out what everyone's doing hiring should be easy and that is where linkedin comes in so the fact that 86 of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours linkedin also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Well, like many kids at 16, I got uh, a car that uh came from my grandpa It wouldn't have been my first choice but because i was 16 had no money i didn't have a choice i took it and then i personalized it i tinted those windows i put in multiple 12 inch subwoofers in the back so my parents and everyone else in the neighborhood could hear me coming from across town and i turned that thing into something at first that i was like i want something better to essentially my dream ride at the time because i had a car at 16 can't hard to complain One of my favorite parts about car culture is regardless of the car you're given when you're young, you can find a way to make it cool. And that's what any young, innovative individual will do. I don't care what you're rolling in. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items
1: only. Exclusions apply. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
0: Okay, let's get to a little thing we call the mailbag. And here's how you get in. It's very, very simple. At John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff is my Instagram. Two F's, firing those DMs. At John Middlecoff, firing those DMs. Like Marco just did. I listened to all your shows. I already like this guy. Considering the Panthers' recent struggles, plus only having five fans at their game, it was windy and it was cold and it was rainy against the Falcons. The overall state of the franchise. Do you think there's a possibility of relocating the team to a different state? Like Austin, for example. Especially with the absence of state income tax and the fact that the city is becoming more and more popular. Well, I, I don't hate your mindset. The problem is, you know, the state of Texas, Jerry is one of the heavy hitters in the league. The Cowboys are the league's biggest brand. Why would they want another team in Texas? I think they would block that. And Houston is one of the biggest cities in America, already has a team. I think both those teams would vehemently throw their bodies, you know, in front of that. I don't have, you know, I kind of, I do this kind of live, so I don't have the Charlotte stats, but isn't it one of the fastest growing cities in America? To me, the market, you know, to me, the Jags with Jacksonville, much more likely to relocate than Carolina. The problem in Carolina is they just suck. When they were good and hosted the NFC Championship years ago, like it was okay. You, you can't be that bad. Uh, if the Cowboys were that bad, if the Eagles were that bad, if the Niners were that bad, and a game was rainy and wet, people wouldn't go. You know, I'd, I I never bemoan the fan that attends games because let's face it, in the football, it's way easier to sit at home and watch a game. And honestly, football is the greatest thing that's ever happened to sports television. It's just, it's it's made for TV. Like, you go to an NBA game, sometimes it's actually better than watching it on TV. Like, basketball games are awesome. You go to the right baseball game, it can be, one, it's just kind of an event. Get out in the sun in the summer, have a beer. A football game, I'd argue, is better on TV than it is in person. So if you're going to get me to go to the game, it better be a decent product. And the Falcons, Carolina... I swear to God, I'm not making this up. If I lived in the area, right? Obviously, I wouldn't fly to Carolina to go that game. But let's just say hypothetically, you'd buy me me a ticket. What would I have to pay you, John Middlecoff, to attend that game? I'll take care of the travel. I will take care of the the sleeping arrangements. Get you in a nice hotel. I think my number would start. I I wouldn't do it for ten grand my time, my weekend I it, it'd probably be I swear to God 25k cash that they couldn't tax me on minimum and I'd probably need you to set up a golf round at a country club or something. That's how bad that game would be. Like I would have gone last night for free if I would have known how awesome the game would be. but in the wet, in the wind, especially if I'm sitting outside, Football game, man, that, that, that'd that be pretty miserable. So I, I, I can't, I, I have no issue with no one showing up. Why in your right mind would you go to that game, even if you're a season ticket holder? Because you can't give the tickets away. We've all been a fan of when teams are bad and known. I've never been a season ticket holder. Uh, I, I don't even know why technically in this modern day age you'd be a season ticket holder. It's much easier, shout out to my friends at Game Time, just to get tickets when you want to go. Now, I get it from a business. If you have a business, entertain clients, makes sense. But to me, if you're just a fan of a team, just buy tickets when you want to go. Now, maybe there are other perks that I'm missing, and I get it if you know it's a family thing. Like if you've been in a city with a basketball or a baseball team, or even a football team. But are you going to every game? I, football, I guess technically you could. Basketball or baseball, no chance. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I, I think Carolina is there to stay. I think they want them in that market. Could be, could be wrong. But th- that market to me is a lot different than, let's say, Jacksonville. As a Seahawks fan, I can't help but worry following Drew Locke's Monday night Masterclass, and, and that Pete and the management might look to keep both him and Geno for another year instead of drafting a first round quarterback in next year's draft. Chris Ballard used to say this a lot when everyone wanted him to draft a quarterback in the first round instead of like band-aiding it with Rivers and Wentz and uh, Jacoby Matt Ryan, obviously some of those guys were bad, but he's like, you guys do understand that if we're not drafting high, I got to really like a guy at pick 22 to just pull the trigger and draft him in the first round. Do you want me to just draft Kenny Pickett or Mac Jones because you guys wanted me to draft a quarterback? Seattle's going to go, if I had to bet right now they're seven and seven looking at their schedule, I'd say nine and seven, or excuse me, nine and eight would be my guess. Well, if you're nine and eight, probably getting the playoffs. I mean, there's a decent chance them and the Rams both make the playoffs. That means you're drafting, like, pick 21-22. Well, what if there's not a good quarterback there? And what if how high... I'm not opposed to, like, trading up and getting a guy that you really like. But I don't think it's crazy. I mean, as of right now, two years, they've won 16 games with Geno and Drew Luck. If their defense was just a little bit better, if Witherspoon comes back, if they keep Leonard Williams, they add another pass rusher... Their team's got a lot of talent. Now, their quarterback position obviously is not ideal, but just because you trade up and get, you know, Bo Nix or Jaden Daniels doesn't mean those guys are going to be any good. We see it all the time. So, I actually think they're in a decent spot. They have a ton of good players all over the roster, a lot of young impact guys, ton of good offensive weapons. Part of the reason you can compete with Drew Locke and Geno Smith you got DK, you got Jackson Smith, you got Tyler Lockett, you got Kenneth Walker, you got some young tackles. Disley's not bad. I mean, you got you got players. Another struggling Steelers fan here. Going forward, where do you think the organization should go at quarterback? I'm pretty pretty much out on Kenny, and our backups make me want to vomit. <laughs> I agree. Do you think that we should focus our 2024 draft or go for someone like Kirk Cousins in free agency? I think it's difficult when it comes to Kenny Pickett because you just drafted him at pick 20, and this is his second year. So he's going to be on the team next year. You're not going to draft a guy in the first round. That's just that's just not happening. I would be stunned. Uh, I, I do think it's on the table to be sniffing around at guys, right? Kirk Cousins, can I get him for cheap? Would I trade for Justin Fields and then have a competition between Fields and, and Kenny Pickett? You know, do something like that. I, I think that's the most realistic option with you guys. To me the biggest question though with your franchise is like, what do you do with the coach? Do you just do you, do you fire him? Because I, I don't know about you, I think it's over. And that's not, I'm not a Mike Tomlin hater. I, I think the Chargers should immediately hire Mike Tomlin just to get some respect. Just to get a real coach. And you can be like, Middle coffee sucks. Like, do you know what the Chargers would do for Mike Tomlin? But I I listen, I, I think I think you are much more likely to kinda like try to sign a Geno Smith type now he's under contract but you know what I mean to c- Baker Mayfield so- someone to come in and compete with Kenny Pickett I-, I think that's the most realistic option question for the pod are highlight quarterbacks overvalued in the social media era all we see are highlight reels but we never see the misreads that made them scramble and make some incredible plays for 20 yards when they actually left yards on the field It's hard to criticize passes that are never made. Maybe with fans, and I think Justin Fields is a good example, if you just watch some highlights of Justin Fields, you go, holy shit, look at this guy scramble around, throw the ball down the field. The problem is NFL teams do not evaluate you off highlight packages. They evaluate you off all 22 tape that is silent. With scouts, general managers, and then the coaching staff in a room usually with a chew, a in a Gatorade Zero, their feet up, and some music blaring in the background, just watching you play football. And so listen, yeah, it, it creates a lot of false media narratives because a lot of people that talk for a living, if you don't know anyone in the NFL, you're just giving your opinions that usually are probably not great. If you are talking to people in the league and then forming those opinions off that, I've said it forever, it's why Colin's so good. When he went all in on Baker Mayfield was not going to work or Zach Wilson's not going to work, he's using his opinion, but he's also talking to like three or four GMs. You think those GMs probably tell him, yeah, we don't like him. That character doesn't. So he forms his opinion knowing what the league thinks. I'm not saying it always works and not every guy's right, but if you do that more often than not, it helps. Last year, everyone would act like Sauce Gardner was the next Deion Sanders. I talked to a guy in the league this year. They're like, We think he's a little overrated. He won't fucking tackle. Uh, He can't really handle the quicker guys. And look, this year, what happened? Derek Stingley is now on the field. I would take Stingley for the next five years over Sauce. And I'm not acting like Sauce is some scrub, but the hype machine of the way, and I'm guilty of this too, that we all do it. It's why that I try to be measured when I talk about Purdy. I don't fucking know if Purdy's going to be some Hall of Fame player, but based on his sample size. He's, much be- he's the best quarterback since the 49ers have had since Steve Young. And Jeff Garcia was pretty damn good, and so was Kaepernick. But he clearly is the most well-rounded quarterback they've had in 25 years. Now, does that mean give him $200 million? He's still got to do it longer than he's done it. We got time. But this argument, like, he's fucking damn good. He's not Josh Allen. He can't move like Lamar Jackson. He doesn't have an arm like Patrick Mahomes. But for the 49ers, he's pretty freaking sweet. And I think that's how you talk about it in the NFL. Yet, like you said, in this highlight generation, it's like, oh, look at this. Look at these seven dunks. It's like, yeah, well, he can't shoot a lick, and he doesn't try on defense. So no good team wants the guy. But I could show you a highlight, and The basketball's king of that. Highlight packages, make a guy look good. And football has kind of turned in on that a little bit with social media. Not a football question, but I heard you give a toast to your landscaper who happened to go to jail a while back. Did he ever get out? And did you ever get your lawn taken care of? Again, love the show. Uh, my my former landscaper got deported. And it sucked because I really liked him. And he was awesome. And he was putting all these trees in my, all these ficus trees in my backyard. So basically no none of my neighbors are going to be able to see him. They're going to be like 15 foot ficus trees. And he had dug all the holes, but we had to wait because it was so hot in Arizona. He said they were going to die and then I was going to have him install the ficus trees, I couldn't get a hold of them. Somehow through my girlfriend's friend who introduced him to us, got a hold of his wife and he was in jail in Tucson, Arizona. And now he's in Mexico. Luckily, the guy that moved me into my house, uh, I hit him up, asked him if he knew anybody. He said his cousin was a landscaper. So now Jorge installed the ficus trees, did a good job. I'm going to have him do the front yard. He was really hammering me on, like, let's do the front yard. It's like, Jorge, I've just spent a lot of money on a remodel. Let's just take a deep breath. I don't care that much about the front yard right now. But I, I did get a new landscaper. And, yeah, I don't even want to say my guy's name because he's gone. And it makes, makes me sad because I, I like that guy a lot. He was he was fucking awesome. And honestly, he, he wouldn't charge me enough. I used to say, like, no, I, I'm going to pay you more. Good life lesson. I, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, you probably can charge a little more than you think. If you, if you do a good job, especially if you're like an independent contractor, you know, I, th- I think sometimes people lowball themselves because they're afraid that like, I I don't even know, like I can't do the work if you can, like if you're going to charge me, you know, if this is 4,500, like I, I was like, 4,500? It's like, shit, I thought it was going to be like eight grand. I'm a diehard Bucks fan and this team is always terrible then magically a Super Bowl winning team once every 20 years. I would take this over being a team that is always 500, but the Bucs are heading toward an era of being okay in a bad division. Obviously for the business, is it better to be relevant even if you have no chance at a Super Bowl? But as a fan, I'd rather build something that has real potential. Baker and Bowles will never be worst the worst, but they're never going to be great. Should the Bucks re-sign Baker for something Yes, in theory, in a perfect world, you would rather get a team that can just rattle off 11, 12 wins for like five straight years. That's perfect world. But sometimes the world isn't perfect. You sucked forever, you got Tom, you became really relevant. And now this team has a chance to make the playoffs and win the division. If you win the division without Tom Brady and you go over 500, it's a very successful year. You get to host a playoff game? Even if you lose to the Cowboys or the Eagles. So what? Like I... And all you can deal with is what you have. What are you supposed to do? Blow it up? Trade everyone? Get rid of everybody? Like, you have some pieces. You have some really good veteran players. And I I think Baker will be back, what was he, one year, four or five million? If he wins two of the last three games, I think he's back one year, 12 million, one year, 15 million. And you just kind of figure it out year by year as you're building toward the future. I think you can kind of do both at once. But sucking sucks. Because there's no guarantee that if you bottom out and just blow, that you're just going to turn it around and be good. That's just not how it works. right? We see a lot of teams just bottom out and they stay bad. I think the ceiling, as a Seahawks fan, I think the ceiling for this team can be high. But it seems we have reached the ceiling with Geno and Locke. If Seattle doesn't make the playoffs, it might be a shorter jump to the top 10. But if they go on a run and somehow make the playoffs, what a potential trade would need to get their quarterback? Well, the Chiefs did it years ago to get Mahomes, right? Was he the 10th or 12th pick? I always get him and Deshaun Watson mixed up, right? Trubisky went went two, which is crazy. Uh, and I, I think, did Deshaun go 10 and Mahomes went 12 or vice versa? But they came up from the 20s. And they gave, I think, a future one and some, I, I forget the exact trade. But I, I think you come up at 21 to pick 10 for next year's one and Some other stuff. But I think for every Mahomes and even Deshaun with the Texans, it doesn't work out a lot. Now, it's pretty risky. And you're seeing a lot of guys around the league like Gardner Minshew, Jake Browning. Do you have to do that? Like, can you win games with Geno and Drew Locke? Now, if you love the guy, put all your chips in the middle of the table. Never forget, I was telling my girlfriend this. The reason Drew Locke's on the team, she's like, who is this guy? I'm like, well, they got him back. A lot of you guys know it, because John Schneider liked the guy. I'll guarantee you this. John Schneider had a first-round grade on that guy coming out of college. I'll promise you that, because he wanted him in that trade. Th- he liked him, because I-, I know the type of players he likes. He loved Josh Allen. Like, he-, he likes physically gifted quarterbacks, and that's what Drew Locke is. And, uh, yeah, so I – it wouldn't shock – if Drew plays again, Keep they keep winning games with him. I, I could see them kind of maybe giving him a year. Do you think the Colts have a chance of making the playoffs, or do you believe they would be uh, a team out, Buffalo and the Texans on the rise, the Jaguars slipping? Week 18 against the Texans seems like it will decide it all. If somehow they get in, do you think they have a chance against the two seed? No, I don't. I mean, the two seed would probably be the Chiefs. So I would say no. I think the, I think the Bills are going to win that division. So you get, it would be the Ravens, the Chiefs, The Bills, what division am I missing? In the South, which, who knows? So I I would say, I I, I think you guys are one and done. I I really do. Awesome year. I mean, we all thought you were going to suck once the quarterback got injured. Who cares? Now, I I actually don't think the Texans have a bunch of injuries. You know, I think CJ will be back this week, but I I think all those teams are kind of the same, right? The Jags are in shambles. I I haven't looked at your schedule, but... Been watching for a long time now. Question for the pod. Do you think any of the backups doing well this year have a chance to be the starting starting job next year? Browning, Gardner, Minshew, Drew Locke, Tommy DeVito. DeVito, no. Locke, unlikely. I would say that I, I don't see how Minshew wouldn't be a starter somewhere. He wouldn't necessarily start in Indy if the quarterback's healthy, right? Uh, just because you invest that much into the quarterback, he's going to play. But I think, you know, if Baker can be a starting quarterback somewhere, you would think Minshew would get more money. So, like, why wouldn't the Patriots be interested? Why? I mean, a lot of these teams, Minnesota, what's their quarterback situation, right? I mean, there are going to be teams that, why wouldn't Atlanta want Gardner Minshew over what they got? So, yeah, I think Gardner Minshew's a starter next year. I'm probably still TBD on Browning. Uh, to me, what still makes sense for Browning is probably, like, two years, $10 million to be Joe Burrow's backup. But I guess you never know. All it takes is one person to like him. I was wondering if you could discuss on your next Mailbag episode some stories, insights on being a junior employee on a professional football team. I'm currently a junior employee at a financial service company and struggle with getting noticed by management and forging a career path. If you could share any advice. Uh, why well, I can't speak for financial group, but like when you're the lowest guy on the totem pole in an NFL office, there aren't that many people there. So, you know, the coaching staff at the time had however many guys, offense, defense, and in, in-office scouts, it was like Howie, a couple pro scouts. So, you know everyone pretty quickly on a first-name basis. So, it's pretty easy once you start, my number one advice, say yes to everything. Anyone that needs help, do it. And basically, on the, on the organizational chart, everyone's above you. So, help anyone to do anything. And again, I can't, I don't know how many people are in your office, but it's just pretty easy to become close, like developing personal relationships always helps, right? So it's easy to get to know these guys when you're helping them do stuff nonstop, whether it's stuff for the special teams coach, whether it's the offensive coordinator, whether it's the GM, we spend so much time together that you just do whatever you can. And a lot of it's like picking people up at the airport, getting coffee, just there's a fine balance and listen, you got to have instincts on this from being like a kiss ass and just refusing to be denied and just do whatever it takes to not just get noticed. And I, you know, I, I, I guess when I'm looking back, I I just did whatever I was told and did it to the best of my ability. Right. You you don't want to like go too far past like this guy's trying a little hard. So I can't speak to how it works in the financial services. They're probably not going to ask you for the next great stock, right? But can you, everything you need to do for the guys that you answer to, I would say do to the best of your ability and be early, stay late. Uh, listen, FaceTime is over. Like as you get older, you realize it's kind of stupid when you're young, it it matters. You want to be known as like this guy just, just fucking always here. Uh, and it's easier when you're younger and you don't have a family or whatever. But I, I, I would say everything you're given, try to make it an A plus. and And if you can, if you see opportunities to go above and beyond, do it. But there's not like I, every interpersonal office dynamic is a little different. Some some leaders are more personal than others. Some are just standoffish and don't give a shit about you. You just got to find people in the building who you think are talented or in their growing places and, you know, if it's not the CEO, it maybe it's you know a vice president or something, and just try to develop a personal relationship and let them know, like you know, I want to be sitting where you are sitting. What can I do? That that also ask people that you work around advice. You know, people love their ego stroke, so like ask them a story, ask them how they got to where they're at. People like hearing that stuff. People or people like telling you that stuff. People like being asked how they became successful. So that's that's always kind of an easy one because like. You know, trying to do some project and then hand it to the CEO, like, "Hey, I think these are the whatever your industry is," you know, can go bad too. (laughs) It might not look great. They might disagree with you. It's pretty risky. But I think just getting to know people and picking their brain on what they did to move up the ladder uh, is probably the easiest and and safest tactic. Because one thing, when you're the lowest guy, taking huge risks can be pretty risky. Like I'm all for being a big risk taker, but you you can turn people off pretty quickly and it can backfire in your face. So there's just a fine line of like pushing the envelope and like kind of staying in your lane because most people don't like the guy that's trying to be like a hero when he's like 23 year old, you know, with some economics degree from, you know, some state school, but also people appreciate, you know, uh, ambitious people. So you just, you got to strike the balance. I think the easiest way is just get in with people and and ask them and pick their brain and just try to, you know, forge a, a real relationship. A real relationship. That, that that would probably be my best advice. Okay, last question. Massive Packer fan. What do the Packers do with this defense? Barry is terrible and should not be on the staff next year. Where he is, who do the Packers turn to as a defensive coordinator? Well, I think it depends who gets fired this year, right? Like if Belichick gets fired, he's not going to be an option. But is Todd Bowles available? Because last year they had, right, what's his name with the Browns, Jim Schwartz. Guy's clearly a pretty good defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio was available last year. Pretty good defensive coordinator. So you got to get guys that you know work, that you know are good. Like is Wink Martindale still on the Giants next year? Or does him and Brian Dayball run their course? Because if he's available, all over him. I need to get a guy with pelts on the wall. I need to get a guy that knows what he's doing. Because that game on Sunday morning for me on the West Coast was pretty bad. I think it was the highest passer rating by an opposing player in the history of Lambeau Field. And if you just watched it, you're like, it's one thing if like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady in their prime lights you up. Baker Mayfield? That was bad. And listen, he could have got rid of them last year and he didn't. And he stuck with his boy. So... It's, it's on Matt LaFleur to make a tough decision and fire the guy and then the Packers have to give him four or five million dollars to go hire the best guy in the market. Because if he'll do that then they'll be okay. But if they're like hey you know we'll give you two million dollars because I'll promise you this Joe Barry's probably one of the lower paid defensive coordinators in the league. If you have one of the lower paid defensive coordinators in the league like you can't really complain when your defense looks shitty. You gotta pay a premium for a premium. And that's what the top defense if Todd Bowles let's say the Bucks lose out Todd Bowles gets fired. Todd Bowles isn't costing you Joe Barry money. He's costing you 2x that. Maybe 3x that. Like would you give Todd Bowles two and a half, you know, five and a half million dollars to be your defensive coordinator? Well, do you want to be good on defense or not? Because if you do, then yeah, pay him.
1: The volume.